Yud Gimel Adar Aleph Taf Shin Ayin Tet coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber opens things up here with Ufa Ratsta, coming off of Tzama, volume number four. Welcome one, welcome all to this week's live edition of The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network, and we are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM and DAM. 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is... Now, that is the time that we're on. Write it down, make a note, put it on your iPhone so that you don't forget. But of course, if you do, not a problem. If you can't listen live, not a problem. That's why we have on-demand broadcast. You can listen to any show of the great Nachum Siegel Network lineup and of the Israel show as well, of course, on the archives via the app. 
go to the archives or on the website, NahumSiegel.com. Go to the archives there. You can listen to any show whenever you want. You can download it into your phone, for example, or other device. When you're in Wi-Fi, you can download the specific episode or edition that you'd like. Then listen to it in the car, and you won't be using up any data, any of your data allotment. So it's really cool. All these ways to listen to the show. We have uh, interesting items to tell you about and great music, including two debuts. One from Aaron Rozelle and the other from... Oh, and the other from Hanan Ben-Ari. How the mind just slowly slips away. Um, we will get to all that coming up soon, but uh, we'll allow... Uh, will allow Jonathan Rozel, Aaron Rozel's brother, to um, to um, let us hear Hatov off of his album Poteach Lev, and then we'll get to everything else. Stay with us. Lots of great music, lots of great Israel news and analysis. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm 
Yonatan Razel with Hatov on uh, today's edition of The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Wangart. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your week. Sippy Livni, who's been um, a part of Israeli politics, I would even say a central part of Israeli politics for about 20 years or so, announced today that she will not be running in the next election. If I remember correctly, we brought to you the very embarrassing um, situation that she was in where Avi Gabay, the head of the Labor Party, live in front of in front of a room full, full, full of her peers, but also in front of the nation, just fired her without any warning. It was just a terribly embarrassing moment. Um, many question what level of uh, support she really has in the electorate. All the polls shows, sh- showed that she doesn't, and so she's retiring. She was almost prime minister at some point when she was uh, at the head of the Kadima party. She left many parties. She, was, she started off in the Likud. She's the daughter of uh, Etzel members. Uh, she was on the right. At some point, she became a member of the left, very supportive of the um, two-state solution, quote-unquote. Um, she found so she headed Kadima. When Kadima fell apart, she founded her own party called Hatnua. It then merged with the Labor Party, and they ran together in the last election. Also, came close, but never close enough, or never enough. To um, to unseat the right, the right wing of uh, Israeli politics, and so she announces today that she will not be running this election. This coming Thursday, which would be February the twenty-first, the um, the parties will have to finalize their slates, and so if any parties want to join with others and run together in some sort of a partnership, all that, and who who's number one, who's number two on the slate, and all, all those things will be summer, finalized by the end of the day on Thursday. And at that time, we'll have a better notion of the field of play. We'll, we'll be able to know who is really running against whom. And um, all the polls, all the guessing, all the pundits... I think it's all nonsense until that point, at least. And even after that point, it's a little bit of, as we've seen over time, it's almost meaningless. Um, So one of the big stories in Israel um, over the weekend was a horrific remark. It was an off-the-cuff remark made on live television by Oshrat Kotler, who is an anchor for many, many years um, on Israeli television, a news anchor. Now, news anchors are supposed to introduce segments, at times interview people. They are not, at least in real journalism world, they are not supposed to give their opinion but it's not the first time 
that a uh, anchor in Israel gave their opinion. Sometimes it's just done in anchor. Sometimes it's done by the raising of eyes, raising of eyebrows, by uh, a smirk or, or a mmm or yeah. But it's not often done as a as a straight out indication of where you where you stand on a topic. So. Um, it was on on Saturday night, I believe, that the um, channel Israeli Channel 13 and that uh, is 13, 12, and 11 now. Uh, don't worry, it's very confusing. Uh, but she is now with Channel 13. I think she used to be with Channel 10, which merged with Channel 13. Um, they have a uh, news magazine. Uh, I don't know if it's it's not like sixty minutes, but it you know has different reports, investigative reports where they give more like twenty minutes to a story, let's say, or fifteen minutes rather than three minutes. And the story that was being covered was the situation with the what they call Nachal Haredi or, or Plugat Netzach Yehuda, which is a, a, an army division or unit that was established in order to give. Haredi young men a place that they can serve in the army while being within a Torah environment to whatever extent possible and that means allowing them the proper time to daven and and Shabbat and uh, there's a rabbi who's with them to help them and they learn Torah together. it's, It's an environment in which the the hope was that um, more Haredi young men would join the army. Uh, it didn't work out that way exactly. Um, who who go to the Nacha Haredi? I would say in generalization, you're talking about religious Zionists who want to be in a religious environment. They could be students of Merkaz Harav um, or, or others that want to feel that, that when they're in the army, they're going to be with somewhat like-minded people as far as religious uh, concerns go. And young men that couldn't make it in the full-time yeshiva world, they were sort of like, they dropped out, if you will, of the mainstream of the Haredi world. And uh, this was, this serves as a great place for them to go. And in most cases, people find that they come out of the army as real mention. You know, a guy was a little bit of a wild kid or whatever, didn't make it in yeshiva. The structure, the discipline of the army straightens them out many, many times. And so that's seen as a positive too. The, obviously, the whole point of Nachal Haredi isn't being fulfilled by it. Um, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but who knows? That's not the point. Um, the claim is, well, let's let's start this way. Nachal Haredi lost two <clears throat> two soldiers recently. We spoke about it at length. Two soldiers that were in the Nachal Haredi were killed by terrorists, by Arab terrorists, uh, in the Shomron. Made lots of news. I I, I don't know if it was the first uh, casualties of the Nachal Haredi. Netzach uh, Yehuda. I'm not sure. I don't remember, but it, it, it's definitely not that often that they have casualties. They're not. They're a small number, also. 
And so other members of the Nachal Haredi, of their unit, were sent out as part of the search to find the murderer terrorist that killed their friend. Now that is, from what I understand, not often done in the army. It is not done that you send someone who is personally involved in a situation to find the culprit, because they're too, they're way too um, personally, emotionally involved. It's true, I think, in every army, even in every uh, police situation. You keep away those that are very close to the, um, emotionally, to the, to the situation. So, it turns out that five of, five of the young men of the Nachal Haredi were arrested and are being charged with um, behaving in a violent way against um, um, what are called innocent Arabs as they were trying to um, find the murderer of their friend. It is unacceptable, obviously. I think that goes without saying that some Palestinian Arab is caught and beaten just just because. And it would be a terrible thing, and it would be corrupt a corruptive force in Israeli life if that would happen. And therefore, it's important that they be arrested. This is different than a Laura Zarya. I won't get into all the details. So there was a report, it was about 15 minutes long, she introduced the report. We'll get to that in a moment. The report basically showed numerous cases in which the Nachal Haredi was involved where the army claims or the media claims or both that the, uh, the there was a level of violence that was unnecessary that was used by the young men, by the soldiers against people that were not involved, Arabs that were not involved in the situation. So as this uh, 15-minute uh, or so report ends, go back to the anchor, Ashrat Cutler. The music, still for a second or so, is still playing in the background, the music that ended the segment. And she says the following. We'll translate it after. This is the remark that set off the whole controversy. All of... <laughs> All of six seconds, but a lot was said. So listen carefully to Oshrat Cutler. When I heard that, I got to tell you, the first thing out of my mouth, once my jaw came back from where it dropped to, was, oh my gosh, I can't believe she just said that. And obviously I'm not the only one that had that that response. So... Here's what she said. We'll translate it for you. Sholchim et hayeladim latzava. We send the kids, or kids are sent. We send the kids to the army. Lashtachim. To the territories. Which is a euphemism for Yehuda and Shamron. And it's actually a euphemism for a euphemism. Because they'd like to stay hashtachim hakvushim. The occupied territories. But they don't. Probably because they can. She continues. 
we send the kids to the army, to the territories, and we get them back animals, human animals. This is the result of the occupation. I mean, the Arabs can't ask for a better propagandist than this. Young Jewish, religious Jewish men are being turned into animals, violent, vile animals, because they're serving in the Israeli army in Yehudan Shamron. You can only imagine the... Uh, the storm of reaction that this brought, especially as it's an election time. And so, when she reaches that later at the end of the show, she's got to <clears throat> she's got to clarify what she said. She can't just leave it leave it out there. And in my my opinion, the clarification is is getting gets close to as bad as the original statement. So I'm going to play it for you again in Hebrew. I'll translate it. But, and it's hard, it's hard to really get the full, the full measure of it without seeing it. I will post the actual video clip on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, so you can see the way her body language is, is, is talking what her body language is saying. She's standing there, she's sitting there with with her arms spread out like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys what I really think. I'm gonna, and the, her voice, you can hear it in her voice. She's like defiant. And then at the end, she really gets defiant. It's like, don't tell me, I don't try to shut me up. I won't be shut up. Here's her, here's her clarification, which is um, 47 seconds. <laughs> Takes her a lot longer to clarify than to say this stupidity that she said. Here is her clarification. רגע לפני סיום, אנחנו מקבלים המון תגובות על ההערה שלי בסוף הכתבה על גדוד נצח יהודה, אז אני מבקשת להדגיש ושתבינו, ילדיי שלי וגם חבריהם, כולם לוחמים קרביים בשטחים, כבר הרבה שנים, גם חבריי. הביקורת שלי הופנתה אך ורק כלפי אותם חיילים שהשליטה שלנו על הפלסטינים בשטחים הביאה אותם לפגוע בחפים מפשע. רק אוסיף שמי שבאמת הקשיב לדבריי ולא רץ להתלהם עליי ברשת, בפתיח לכתבה, הבין שאני בכלל בעד להקל בעונשם של החיילים הנאשמים, שכן אנחנו שלחנו אותם למציאות הבלתי אפשרית הזאת. טוב לכם? זהו, סיימנו. אנחנו נשוב וניפגש גם בשבוע הבא, ואני אמשיך להביע את דעתי בתוכנית הזאת. לא תצליחו להשתיק אותי. וואו. מה אני אגיד? ג'ורנליזם הוא נגד. אז פה הטרנסלציה של מה שהיא אמרה. ועוד פעם, אם אתה תקשיב לדבר שלה, לדפיינציה, feedback and so I want to stress and then she says Vitavinu with a, like an exclamation point at the end listen understand like as if she's saying understand this you idiots obviously she didn't say the words you idiots my own children 
and their friends, as she says it in your face like, are all combat soldiers in the territories for many years. And my own friends as well. My criticism was directed solely toward those soldiers that are out of control in the territories. And that our occupation of the Palestinians has led them to harm innocents. You see, she's not criticizing them so much as she is criticizing us for putting them in this situation. That's what she says. I would just like to add that those who truly listened to what I said at the introduction to the story and didn't rush to slam me in social media realized that I was actually in favor of lenient punishment for the accused soldiers. Why? Since we, we are the ones sending them into this impossible reality. We'll play that introduction for you in a minute. And then she says, Tov lachem. Are you happy now? I explained it. You happy now? <laughs> this is like a three-year-old's behavior. I will continue expressing my opinion on this show. You will not be able to silence me. And with that, she signed off. As a friend of mine who's a journalist said yesterday, journalism is dead in America and Israel. I think more so in America, actually. Now, what is happening with soldiers in Etzach Yehuda? I, I don't know enough. We'll look into it. We'll study it. But whatever criticism you have of the individual soldiers, this had nothing to do with it. What she said really was just one thing. The occupation, quote-unquote, is creating us, is, is, is transforming our youth into animals. They can't grow up as moral adults because they are serving in an army that occupies another quote-unquote nation or another people. I think that if you know the Israeli army well enough, at least this is my opinion, not having known, not knowing it from the inside, but if you know it enough and you know how careful they are, and we see, the fact is that they are sending these young men to court-martial. The fact is that Alor Azaria did sit in prison for shooting an Arab who just tried to stab an Israeli soldier. I know that it's frustrating for us as we watch from the outside. But I've heard from many people in the armed forces of Israel that it is important to them as it is to us. that the army not create morally inept soldiers. And they prefer, the soldiers prefer, that the army err on the side, or I should say against the side that says 
shoot, kill, hit, do whatever you need to. Not because we they care so much about the Arabs, they tell me, that more so because they care about us. That's what I would think is are the two sides of this idea. Now, how did she introduce the report? We'll play this for you also briefly, but uh, and, and I'll introduce it by telling you what she said. She basically said this was a great unit, Netzach Yehuda, served a good purpose. They serve in difficult areas, but something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong with them. And this is what happens, of course, when they're given an impossible, put in an impossible situation. This is her intro to the report that uh, everybody's talking about. שמואשמים בהתעללות בפלסטינים לבין המדינה. הפערים בין הצדדים כך מתברר גדולים מדי, וזה חבל מאוד. חבל שכן חיילי הגדוד הזה, אחד המוצלחים בצה"ל, משרתים באורח קבע בצמתים היותר מורכבים בשטחים, ומשימתם האחרונה שאליה נשלחו בכוונת מכוון הייתה ללכוד את רוצחי חבריהם. האם מישהו מתפלא שבחורים בני 18 ששטופים כאב ורגשות נקם לא יהפכו חיות אדם? אריק וייס מסרטט את סיפורו של הגדוד החרדי של האחרונה, כך נראה, די איבד את זה. At the end of the show, that in her introduction, she was actually siding with the soldiers because she felt that they were being but but she already called them Hayot Adam in the introduction. She already said in the introduction is it is it a a shock to anybody that young men that are steeped with feelings of revenge would behave like animals? We've always had internal division. We've always had people from within who help the other side and give them comfort. But as one of the journalists that I respect in Israel said yesterday, freedom of the press and free speech is the freedom to say things that are going to get you upset and angry. And if we believe in it, we need to believe in it all the way. Here is a relatively new um, piece by Leora Simon. Leora is well known as uh, one of the people that brought us Shmor Na'aleinu Kemo Yeladim. That's her. And she doesn't uh, have too many pieces, but she recorded this Mishaberch L'Chayalei Tzahal. I believe it was in honor of one of her children that was in the army. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Let's go. 
figured that would be the perfect number to balance out the uh, story we were covering before. There are those who curse and those who bless. That is a beautiful rendition of uh, that is said every Shabbat in shuls around the world. It should be in our hearts every day praying for the welfare, for the well-being of the soldiers of Israel. In fact, Yesterday, a uh, soldier was injured. He's a um, a lone soldier, 
coming from America, his family, from a family of Israelis who live in America, he did not have to uh, serve in the army, but he decided that he wanted to. He volunteered. I'm looking for his name. I can't find it at this moment. Um, story has been mainly ignored in most of the <coughs> news uh, news uh, places that I've checked. Um, but he um, he was injured last night uh, in southern Israel, and uh, we we pray for him and for all the soldiers of Israel, obviously. Um, and if we find his name, we will share it with you later on during the show, or we'll post it on our Facebook page, and we'll continue to pray for him as well. Um, let's see. As usual, we have too many things to do. How's that? Aaron Rozelle released a song, I think yesterday or, or the day before, just l- literally a few minutes ago, if you will. And it, it is very moving, the concept, the song. So I, I want to share it with you. But I also want to share the story behind it with you. And uh, he tells it in, in the song itself, but in the notes that they send out to the um, to the media, notes that go with the song, usually there's an explanation in many cases. Uh, there's an explanation. And this is a song about somebody by the name of Rachamim Nisan. Rachamim Nisan was an elderly person <clears throat> who lived in Nachlaot in Yerushalayim, which back in the day was a rather slummy neighborhood, excuse me for saying it that way. Today it's the height of luxurious of luxurious neighborhood. And there was a shul there of Eidot HaMizrach and there was a man by the name of Rachamim Nisan. He was alone. He was all alone in life. He had no children. He had no grandchildren. Obviously he he seems that he had no family at all. Few cousins that really didn't know much about him or, or, or basically, I think, knew very little of his existence. But, says Aaron Razel, he had an amazing voice and when he was called upon to sing the piyut that uh, they were up to in the tefillah, he, he electrified the crowd. And uh, he lived for those moments. And Aaron Rizal says, I, I became very close to him, and I asked him to teach me some of the melodies of the Pew team. He, uh, um, Aaron Rizal brought a uh, tape recorder to tape him and so forth. And then he says, I moved to Tzvat, and I, I just was disconnected from everything of my uh, youth in Nachlaot. And then one day when I came back to Nachlaot to visit, I saw that he passed away. Um, and that the funeral was taking place like at that moment. So he he ran to to the uh, funeral, but he missed it, and he saw the relatives were already dispersing. And he said, I wanted to tell them of the memories that I had of this person and the special relationship that grew between us thanks to the nigunim, thanks to the melodies that he taught me, but there was no one to talk to, all the distant relatives just came took care of the last you know different things get, get got stuff in order and and left so he says that night i sat down in front of my notebook and i wrote and wrote and hopefully you my audience will listen 
to what I have to tell you about Rachamim Nisan. And so, by doing so, he's doing such a beautiful thing, Aaron Razel, somebody who it's not even clear if somebody's saying Kaddish over him. <clears throat> and he was called Ariwi, meaning without any descendants. Um, so this is his way of, of bringing up his memory. The refrain is from the Silichot, that both Ashkenazim and Svardim say, means God hits us, wounds us, but he also makes us whole, he heals us, he, he kills us, but he also renews our life. He brings us up like a masok, like a helicopter. Masik min sha'ol. He brings us up from the sha'ol, from 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 the the underground, if you will, of the dead. Lachaye alma to to the world, world of uh, of everlasting. To the olam ha'emet. Rachamim Nisan. Aaron Razel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. לא יודע אם לכתוב על רחמים ניסן שנפטר אתמול אולי אכתוב שבעה כי לא יושבים עליו ערירי נפטר לחוסר קול יושב היה מול ניסים אדון לוי משמאלו יחב גם הם הלכו קרובים בקושי נשארו אחות הייתה לא זוכר כבר מה קרו אותה הגעתי מאוחר, כמעט מניין תופס אותם בחניה עוזבים. כמה בני דודים מהמרכז, אני שואל, האם אמרו קדיש? הם לא עונים. יושב מולו, הייתי בתפילה, מביט עליו. לאט היה מניח ומנשק את תפילה. איזה טונים, איזה וטע, ששרת פיוטי הסליחון. שזה אותו פיוט על עקדה, היה תמיד שלו, כולם חיכו לשמוע איך סחב את המקם משלוש עשרה מידות של רחמים ועד יומו האחרון כפוף היה רואה קצת באוויר, לא ויתרנו רחמים, אולי תשיר. התקרבתי וזקפתי את הספר השמוט אל מול בכל מקרה נפטר שלשום, רחמים ניסה. קולו היה נעים, פרקו נאה לעת עתה, פרקו אותם, כותב לו, ושר עליו שבעה צלילים כי לא יושבים עליו, ועוד אני שומע בתור 
And you'll note that the song is uh, has a rhythm to it of a dot hamizrach of the Oriental, if you will, Jews. I don't know what word to use exactly, but the Sephardic community, and that's where all of this takes place in that world. Rachamim Nisan Aharon Razel debuting here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for uh, having us in, wherever you're listening around the world. So, um, how 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 do people vote in Israel? I've spoken about this briefly um, over time. Uh, I heard a great uh, analysis of it from the person who is actually the chairman of the of the voting committee, whatever whatever it's called officially. So if you've ever been in Israel during an election, you've seen the floors, the sidewalks filled with little notes that have letters on them. Two or three big letters. Emet, Bet, Gimel, Machal, and so forth, and so on. Meretz. Well, these little notes, they measure four inches. They're, they're four inches high, and they have a width of about two and three quarters inches. It's tiny, if you think about it for a second. And these are the notes that are used for voting. These little slips of paper are how you vote in Israel, for the party. You vote for a party, not for a person. We've spoken about that many times. I'm going to post later a picture of what the tray looks like. It's a You walk into the vote, po- polling place, uh, behind the curtain, there is a big tray with notes for all the parties. And you take a note for, for your that has the letters representing your party, put it into an envelope that is blank, you seal that envelope, then you put that envelope into another envelope, and the outer envelope has information about you. That's interesting, right? And that's in order to make sure that you don't vote twice, because the system is so sophisticated. And then you take the envelope and the envelope with the little slip of who you voted for, and you put it into a cardboard box, the ballot box. When the elections are over, all the notes are opened by uh, some sort of a central committee or a, a, um, a, a voting a polling place committee. They make sure that somebody didn't vote twice, that, that eventually goes to a central place because it, it, that information can't be at your <clears throat> polling booth. Then they... Uh, count the little notes in each polling place and okay there we have 
five little notes for this one and six little notes for that one. And you say to yourself, this is incredible. This is, this is high-tech Israel, the superpower of high-tech. Yahoo, Google, Amazon. They're all cla- Intel, they're all clamoring to have centers in Israel. And this great country is voting with all slips of paper. It's not even the old American system where you had a, 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 a manual machine. In New York, at least, that's what I what, what I used to vote with before they changed it to an, uh, uh, an even stupider system. Um, it's 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 pieces of paper, and there's so much room for corruption. And in my humble opinion, that's one of the reasons that the system doesn't change. The major parties that created the system will are the ones who have to vote it out and there's no reason for them to vote it out it works well for them you there's a lot of room for corruption unfortunately which in with computers would be much more difficult uh, now ironically now everybody in Israel says you see we have the best system because no foreign power can hack into our computers and change the results that almost sounds like a get smart line, you know, those of us who are old enough to remember that. Now, <laughs> how did... So, so, first of all, the first question, which I think everybody has, is why do they use these big letters from one to three letters on the ballot and then underneath in much smaller letters is the name of the party? And the answer was interesting. Back in the day, in Israel, there were many, many Jews who had come from different corners of the world and were illiterate. So, if they wanted to vote for a certain party, their family, whoever would help them, would have them look at those letters and identify those one to two, three letters, almost like icons, remember the what it looks like, go into the voting booth and find that icon, those letters, and put it into the ballot, the ballot box. Surprisingly, according to one researcher who spoke out about this, 7% of the population in Israel are are still um, illiterate. I, I found that shocking. Although you never know where that might be. I mean, it might be within uh, the very poor population of people that are still the elders that had come from other countries where they did not learn how to read or amongst the elders of the Arabs and so forth, the women who weren't taught uh, in many homes to read and so forth. Um so that is the reason for that continuing, because if you can't read the the ballot, you can't read the name of the party, you're given these pictures, letters instead. But here's another thing. If a new party comes along, this is fascinating, a new party comes along and says, well, I want the letter Mem, let's say. Let's say the party's name is Miflaga, which just means party. Um, and we want the Mem that one letter to be our symbol on the little slip, on the voting slip. Yes, but somebody already has a mem. See, the Marach, their symbol is Aleph Mem Tuf, which means truth. 
boy, they're shocking. The Mapai, who um, who controlled Israel until from 1947 to 77, basically uh, in a very Bolshevik way. Originally, they were given the letter Aleph. You see, they were the first. As time evolved, they were joined by Mapai, who added the Mem, and I don't remember who Tnuat Kibbutzim maybe was the tough. And so they have Emet. You know, it's sort of like, vote for the truth. You want truth, don't you? Well, their letters are Aleph, Mem, tough. So if you want the Mem, you can't get it unless that party... Any party that has historically the letter Mem has to agree to give you the Mem, and of course they're not going to. So what if you pick a letter that is not currently used by another party? Okay, you can ask the committee to assign you that letter. What if somebody else wants that letter? How do they decide which party, which new party gets the letter? Let's say somebody wants a letter uh, a Chet, and, and nobody has it, or all the Likud has it, but let, let's just say nobody has it. And two parties want the chet now. Well, the first one, it's first come, first serve. The first one that shows up online in the morning asking for that letter gets it. So people are lined up early, early in the morning, and I think that'll be this Thursday, to get a a letter that is not being used to be their symbol. And it's important because that's something that people remember when they get into the voting booth. You want them to have something in their mind, something clear, that represents you, and you want that to be in their in in their memory when they go to vote. That's just amazing. I didn't know. I I knew a lot of these things, but I didn't know these last few items about why they use these letters, and that you can't have a letter if another party has it anywhere in their name. Now you might think this is the most backward. Uh, un untechnological system that you can possibly imagine? Well, the answer is no. We have found that there is a much more antiquated system that may, maybe we should feel better about it in Gambia, which is in Africa. So when you, when you go into the polling booth, you're handed a glass marble, a marble, they they check, they make sure that you are who you say you are, and and you get a marble. Then you go behind a curtain, and you have their drums, like little drums. And on the drum is a photo of the candidates. You might have four or five drums. Each one has a photo of a candidate. There's a little hole in the top of the drum, enough for the marble to be put in. And there's a um, when the marble goes in, it goes through a little bit, a little sleeve. At the end of the sleeve is a bell. So as the marble goes down through the sleeve, eventually dropping into the bottom of the drum, it rings the bell. So the election people that are outside, that are watching over the polling place, they know that you've only put in one marble. If you try to put in one of your own marbles, they'll hear a second bell and boom. You, you'll, you'll, your vote will be disqualified. And then it's very easy to count the votes because at the end they have these large mats which have holes on them and each mat, let's say, is 200, has 200 holes and then they take them the, each drum and they pour it onto a separate mat. So the marbles just you know fall into place. So you know, okay, this drum, here's 200, next another 200 and so forth. 
and that's how they count the votes. It might work faster than the Israeli system. Um, the, actually, it's a wooden tray where, where they have the marbles, not a mat. Well, there you have it. Guess what? Gambia is now updating their voting system. They're not going to vote in such a backward way anymore. Now they're going to use paper slips, just like Israel. <laughs> uh, we're going to close out the show. We're going a little long today because Yoni's uh, off. Listener Moshe comes through, as he does so often, with the name of the uh, American young man who is a lone soldier in Israel, and he was injured last night. His name is Yoad Zaguri. He's from L.A. His parents, Israelis, living in L.A. for a long time. He did not have to go to the army. His parents were against him going to the army, but he decided that he must go. And uh, we pray for his well-being. We'll try and get his Hebrew name, and we'll post it. Um, His parents are on their way from L.A. to Israel in order to be with him. I think he was injured. No, I don't want to say. So let's just leave it at that. We're going to end off with um, Yishai Rebo and his classic Kol Dodi. We owe you a Hanan Benari debut. We'll do it next week. A very cool song. Before we... Uh, end off we're going to say thank you thank you so much for listening thanks for all your facebook likes and comments thanks to the staff of the nachem siegel network and my very special thanks as always to nachem siegel yoni pollock will not be on this week so if you're looking for sports updates you're going to have to go elsewhere i can't advise you where but i'm sure you'll figure it out there will be music now for the next hour and then novik now with jake novik will be in its regular slot an hour after us and you should stay tuned for that because quite frankly he has a great show and then music monday (laughs) how did i mess that one up the monday music marathon will take you through the day until next monday immediately following jamin day and my mayor weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last oh no they're just running in a different race כל דודי הנה זה בא, ככה מספרים להסיר את כל הרע ואת קרננו להרים מתוך תאומות עפר ולהקיץ נרדמים עם תרועת שופר כל דודי הנה זה בא, כך פשטה להשמועה וכל תינוק שנשבע קיבל את הנבואה אז בוא נצא לקראתו, בתופים ועוגב. שירו לו זמר ולו אשריהם שהשם אלוקיו. ואז יפוח היום, והשקר יתהדה. אז יצאו במחול כל איילות השדה, וידלגו. Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you. 